So I was remembering, um, I remembered yesterday that the theme of, of the retreat when it was advertised um, was a wide and wonderful path. Again, you may have forgotten about that. <laughs> a wide and wonderful path. And I was remembering that and thinking, um, you know, we'd never been to this place before, so we didn't know what this place was like when we, um, actually Nathan, I think, came up with that title. And I was thinking how appropriate it feels. You know, there's something so wide and wonderful about this place and there's so many wide and wonderful paths that sort of radiate out yeah, into, the, into the nature around here. And I, I find these paths um, a real teaching, yeah, real teaching in themselves. Sometimes walking along one of these really feeling how um, yeah how how much they can teach us about life and about our own human experience and about the journey yeah that we're that we're doing the journey that we're undertaking as we as we walk the path the inner path um, but also the outer one and one of the things that they teach me at least that kind of was always really kind of wow <laughs> is you know that sense of what makes a path yeah that a path seems really clear yeah when we look at it especially from a bit of a distance and then when we look more closely yeah we see that well what is a path actually yeah what is it made of yeah the contours of the land the stones, the earth, the plants, the steps of animals and human animals that have walked it, you know, all of that, yeah, that's that's what makes a path. So dependent on conditions. Yeah, dependent on conditions, dependent on different causes and factors that come together and create it. So I'd like to take that as a kind of an opening, as the path in to this talk, which is also a path continuing from Nathan's talk yesterday, hopefully. Sometimes it's very clear to me that I'm continuing from his talk, but it's not clear to anyone else, <laughs> including Nathan. But yeah, might not be this time. Let's see. Maybe I'll be lucky. So Nathan was, was speaking yesterday towards the end um, of the talk. He was, he was speaking about dependent origination. And... This teaching which can seem, you know, sometimes it can seem very complicated and difficult to grasp. And sometimes it can seem um, so obvious yeah, to us. And it's the teaching that's at the heart of, of Dharma, the heart of what the Buddha 
realized and then what he offered, what he taught. This understanding that everything, yeah, everything and anything arises dependent on conditions, yeah, dependent on other things. And what that means, one of the things that means for us is that if things, if something arises dependent on conditions, then if the conditions change, that which is dependent on the conditions will change too. Yeah. And just like so many other things that we've been speaking of, you know, so profound, so deep, and also very obvious to us on that level. Yeah. So, you know, very simple example, you know, rain depends on clouds. (laughs) When the clouds are swept away by the elements, then not very likely that rain will arise. Yeah in that particular place. So that's kind of that dependent arising. That dependent arising. And similarly, as we've been saying, quite, with quite a lot of regularity here, <laughs> suffering is also dependent on causes like craving, like contraction, like a sense of self. Yeah. And when those change then dukkha also changes. And this dependent nature, this dependent origination, this dependent arising is true of everything. Yeah, it's true of everything. It's really something to contemplate. And one of the invitations is sometimes to kind of ponder for ourselves, do I know anything that exists not dependent on anything else? You know, that's one of the contemplations that we can have. Do I know anything like that? So it's true of everything, including the sense of self, yeah? including the sense of I am or I am this. Or this is me. So that too is dependent. It's true um, also of the sense of other. It's true of the sense of self and it's true of the sense of other. The sense of other is also dependent on conditions. The sense of objects in perception what we know through perception, also dependently originating, dependently arising. That too. As we've seen here in our practice, yeah, we pay attention a certain way. Perception can change. So it all arises dependent on conditions. And just to make that a little bit more clear, we've got our props. Some of you are familiar with these, even though find different sticks every time we don't carry them around. And these ones even fell during the meditation, which was, you know, a a great sign of um, authenticity. (laughs) So 
this is one of my favorite um, teaching props and examples of dependent origination. Yeah. So these three sticks leaning on each other. Yeah, leaning on each other. So in order to stand, each of these sticks needs the other two. You try to stand them up on their own. Feel free after the talk to take them and play with them outside. (laughs) If you try to stand them up on their own, you probably would not succeed without sticking them into something. So I sometimes kind of say this is an image of how things lean on each other and how nothing is freestanding. Yeah, it's another way that we can say this. Nothing stands independently without leaning on something, just like these sticks. So a few more things we can see looking at the sticks. Yeah, quite a lot. And they're very beautiful, by the way, in case you didn't notice. There's also one of my, the things I like about that is that, you know, you pick up three sticks and you lean them on each other and you get a piece of art. Something really beautiful. So I like the fact that there are three because that really, again, emphasizes that it's not just one thing leaning on another, not just one cause and one condition to have an effect, yeah, but more than one cause, yeah, causes and conditions, a complex and mutual leaning on each other because they lean on each other, They lean on each other. And each stick in itself is leaning on other, count, on other causes. <laughs> yeah, countless. Yeah, some of them we can see, like the ground. Yeah. And some of them we can't see. Yeah, they are leaning on Nathan, who found them. <laughs> and brought them in here. Yeah. They're leaning on the trees or bushes yeah, that they grew on. They're leaning on whatever conditions arose and caused them to, to fall off or break off. Yeah. Can you see that when you look at these sticks? Like they're leaning on all of that. And they're dependent also on your eyes and your perception and your consciousness right now. You know, as you look at them, they're dependent on that too. Without your eyes, without your perception, without your consciousness, would they be leaning? (laughs) So the teacher that... um, I borrowed this idea from, it's not an original. Her name is Elizabeth Matisse Namgyal. 
And she says, you know, when we look at the sticks, we can understand that the whole world leans. Everything leans. Yeah, everything leans. The whole world is leaning on something. Everything in the world is leaning on something. And in the teachings, this is called emptiness. This understanding, this seeing. That everything leans. That nothing is freestanding. Nothing exists separately and independently of other things. Everything leans. So this word emptiness, to really emphasize, empty of what? Empty of a separate, independent existence. Really important to keep asking, empty of what? Empty of what? And this is as beautiful, yeah, this is beautiful and intricate, yeah, as, as beautiful as the sticks are, as intricate as they are if you look at them more closely. And some of the beauty, I'd like to pull out some of the beauty. So one aspect I've already said, and I want to emphasize it again, One cause does not bring about one effect. As we've kind of gone through, everything is leaning on multiple causes and multiple conditions. So every cause is also leaning on other causes. And every effect is also a cause. Yeah. So everything is also being lent on. Does this make sense or am I getting a bit too analytical here? Yeah. So we can see that just looking at these sticks and just reflecting on how they um, symbolize the way we unfold, the way life unfolds. So again, if we look at that, you know, what are the sticks a cause for? Yeah, what are they supporting other than each other? They're supporting our understanding now, for example. Along with multiple other causes, like the fact that you chose to come here, that's also supporting your understanding or your confusion, whatever's present right now. Yeah, multiple other causes. The fact that you've been listening to the teachings that you've been practicing, that supports understanding. The fact that there's others here looking after the practicalities, cooking food. The fact that we're alive, that's supporting our understanding. That's a cause for understanding. The fact that we have this space, that someone built it, I don't know how long ago, and others have renovated it, 
Yeah. So we can look at anything in that way. And, you know, we'll never see all the causes because, of course, everything is then leaning on more and more. So the whole world leans. The whole world leans on, on things that lean on other things. <laughs> and the same with the sense of self. Yeah, the same with the sense of self. Leaning. Not separate, not freestanding. Both leans on conditions and is a condition for other things to lean on. Yeah, like dukkha. So I wanted to, to say here that um, we've been speaking about this with the sense of self, but maybe to really um, emphasize this a little bit. been te- speaking about the spectrum of the sense of self. Yeah, that, um, you know, the sense of self can go from kind of very open, very easeful, like when we're out in nature or in a calm meditation, Yes, there's a very open, easeful sense of self. And then there's a very um, kind of heightened, loud, dense sense of self. Yeah, For example, when we're angry or when we're agitated. So there's this spectrum of the sense of self, from very intense to very quiet. And there's also a spectrum of the sense of self along the problematic and not problematic. Yeah which is kind of also really important to kind of open to and get in touch with. So the sense of self in itself, just like anything else, is not a problem. Actually, it can be very useful. Yeah. I don't know if any of us would be here if we had no sense of self at all. Yeah to manage the travel and the arrangements and the organizing. So we can see, ah, it's functional, serves the function. And then it also gets in the way. And if we can see that as a spectrum, sometimes, you know, we can understand that, ah, the sense of self is the enemy. I really remember that when I first came across the teachings. It was called ego then much more <laughs> the ego, the bad guy, the enemy. Yeah. It really would come across in that way, what we need to get rid of. But actually, yeah, just seeing more fully, seeing more fully, more lightly, seeing that movement, seeing that spectrum, understanding the functionality and then understanding when it gets problematic, yeah, when it gets... Um, in the way when it creates suffering or contributes to that. So seeing both the emptiness of the sense of self and its functionality are not um, contradictory. It's not a contradictory Not a contradiction. 
So a little bit more about emptiness, now that we've cleared the sense of self. Sometimes when we hear this word, when we hear this spoken about, we get a sense that emptiness is some state or some goal, again, that we need to reach. Yeah, the state of emptiness, dwelling in emptiness. And it's much more useful to see emptiness as um, a verb rather than a noun. Yeah, it's something that we apply. It's something that we... Uh, it's an insight that can free us, that can support us. It can be a fuel for further investigation, for deepening practice. And so it's like a path that keeps evolving, yeah, keeps deepening, keeps growing and unfolding. And we can apply it. Yeah? We can apply this to whatever degree we can see emptiness, we can see the dependent arising of things, we can apply it into our lives. Seeing things as empty, or as we've been doing today, seeing the sense of self as empty, that's an application of the understanding. And we apply it and we see. What happens when I see things as not me and not mine? What happens when I see things as empty? Yeah, what happens um, to the sense of contraction? What happens to the craving? What happens to the dukkha? Yeah, we apply it and we see. Does it increase a sense of freedom and well-being? Yeah, does it decrease <coughs> suffering? And when I embody this understanding, when I apply this understanding, how does it affect my relationship to the world, including myself? Yeah, these are the kind of questions that we're interested in, the questions that we're asking. How do, does it affect how I relate to the world and to myself? And does that, yeah, that affect the way I relate to the world, the way I relate to myself, the change in that, does that in turn bring more ease? And so it's an ongoing cycle of deepening. Yeah? We apply and we look and we see the effect. And when we see the effect, the understanding deepens. And then we apply that deeper understanding. And then we see the effect of that. It's an ongoing path, an ongoing cycle. So I want to give an example, which will hopefully be helpful. So this is from... um, from the leprosy community also that I mentioned, I think a couple of nights ago. Um, And most of the people in the leprosy community are there, um, not out of choice, but because um, their families can no longer have them in their homes because of the stigma that's associated with, with the disease. 
And over the years, you know, this is something I've heard a lot. Yeah. And, you know, in the old people's home where I spend a lot of time, there's a lot of, of kind of stories about that, you know. And often, you know, the families will bring people there and, and sometimes they, you know, this has happened recently, sometimes it's happened decades ago, sometimes they'll stay in contact, sometimes they won't. So I've heard about this many, many times, uh, but I've never seen it. I had never seen it happen until the last time we were there in January. And so I was walking back from the old people's home back to the building where we were staying, and on the way past the, um, the clinic, the main clinic of the community. And... Um, In January, it's the cold season there, so a lot of things end up happening outside in the sun where it's warmer rather than inside. So as I was walking by, I saw a group of people in the, in the clinic's um, courtyard, um, and I you know, kind of just glanced and saw that one of them was motioning me to come over. And it was one of the nursing staff from the clinic. And when I came closer, I saw that the doctor was there and some of the staff were there, and there was an elderly lady um, sitting on a bench um, with her foot up and uh, a wound being cleaned and dressed and some other people standing around. And as I came closer, one of the, of the staff um, explained to me that uh, her family had brought her because uh, she, her wound, she had a wound in her foot that had gotten very infected. So they had brought her for treatment. And the wound was so bad that um, she had to stay there uh, for a while until it healed. And I was standing just kind of watching, observing, and then the doctor came over and and said to me, they're going to leave her here. Yeah, She's never going to leave. Boom. I'd never witnessed that moment before, and here it was. And I just want to kind of break it down a little bit from the lens of emptiness, from the lens of dependent origination, that happening. So there was contact, right, through the senses, through the sight, and through the mind. Yeah? So the sight being taken in and that being processed. Yeah, what I'm seeing. That contact was shaped by previous information, right? Knowing, ah, this is what this is. Yeah, this is what this is. The Vedana unpleasant yeah the vedana unpleasant the craving and clinging strong very strong sense of closed heart yeah closed heart in the face of this the becoming yeah that process from the craving and clinging something being created yeah something being created, yeah, that sense of me and that sense of other, 
this family abandoning their mother, their grandmother. Yeah, that becoming, that sense of separation. Sense of self, stronger. Yeah, strong, very strong, with a closed heart. Self of other, very strong. Strong contraction, a lot of dukkha. When the heart is closed, a lot of dukkha. Yeah, we all know that. It's one of the most painful things we can experience. Yeah. So this is the unfolding from this lens of dependent origination. And even if you don't kind of follow each of the links, yeah, does that make sense to people? that process, if we break it down of the experience. But, fortunately for me, that's not the end of the story. Yeah. Because that is where deeper understanding comes up. Right? Remembering conditionality. Remembering dependent arising, remembering emptiness. Yeah, that comes up. Staying with the experience allows it to come. Yeah, not reacting, not acting on any of that. Seeing the dukkha, recognizing the dukkha in the contraction. Yeah, that's part of why we're doing these practices because we get familiar with them and it's like, ah, contraction, dukkha, strong sense of self. I know this. Yeah. I know this. What's another possibility? Relaxing the contraction. Remember we were doing that yesterday. Relaxing the contraction. Opening to what else is here. So opening, and with that opening of the contraction, opening to what else is here. And then more contact can come through through the sense doors. Yeah. So I'm starting to see more of what is there. Yeah. So it can be the sun and it can be the flowers in the garden. And then it's also the care, yeah, of the doctor, the care of the staff. Yeah. So slowly that progresses, more contact. And then I also start to take in the family and their body language. Yeah, and their sadness and their pain. So it becomes a little bit more complicated. Yeah, it's not so simplified. Yeah, and I take in that the granddaughter is there and she's in her early 20s. Yeah, so this is the age where she is going to be married. And having a grandmother with leprosy in the house makes that pretty difficult to do. Yeah, in kind of rural Indian society in this part of the world, that particular part of India. So I take that in also. Yeah. So then more contact comes in through this through the senses taking in more of the conditions. And the contraction keeps relaxing and the heart keeps opening. 
and more energy that's kind of been used up in that tightness and that closeness and that self and other separation, more of that energy is released and is available. To meet the experience more fully, to see, to open, to feel the suffering and the sadness of everyone in that situation. Yeah? To see that everyone in that situation is affected by conditions. Yeah? Affected by conditions of their lives. So less overwhelm, more energy, which allows me to engage with the family and allows me to engage with the lady. <laughs> yeah. And to make some contact and some connection. Which means that the next day, when she's arrived at the old people's home and is finding her feet in this pretty crazy environment, I can support her. Yeah. I'm a familiar face. So I can support her to settle in, to make that transition. So that understanding of emptiness, that understanding of dependent arising and dependent origination, that can really support us in life. Not always. Yeah. 99% of the time, you know, I just go off there or whatever, you know. But it's, it's available. It's applicable. Yeah. And we train so that we can see and we can open and we can apply. Really important for me to say here that understanding emptiness and understanding the conditionality of life, practicing prioritizing compassion does not mean that we accept and condone prejudice, injustice, oppression, yeah, that, it, it's not what it means, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's okay that young women can't get married if their grandparents have leprosy, yeah, or their parents or their siblings, yeah, it doesn't mean that there is that ignorance in the world, yeah. So it doesn't mean that we condone that or we agree with that. But it means that we see the bigger picture in every situation or in many situations as we can. We look for the bigger picture so that we can respond in a way that's helpful in the moment. And it means that we let our seeing support us to work internally and externally to end Ignorance, yeah, to end the causes of suffering in the world, in ourselves and in the world. It gives us that fuel. Ignorance, prejudice, injustice, all of it. So as we practice and as we deepen in understanding and apply our understanding, yeah, this is... um, One of the things that I love most deeply about this path is that it's not theoretical. Yeah. It's a path that we apply. 
It's applicable to our lives. So as we practice and deepen an understanding, ignorance transforms into wisdom. That's the trajectory. Ignorance transforms into wisdom. It's a gradual process. Yeah, It's a gradual process. And at the same time, every moment of wisdom and clear seeing is a moment of freedom. And it becomes a cause for more wisdom and more clear seeing yeah, and more compassion. So every moment, yeah, when we think about our practice, every moment of patience becomes a cause, becomes a condition for more patience. Every moment of compassion becomes a cause, becomes a condition for more compassion. Every moment of clear seeing and wisdom becomes a cause and a condition for more clear seeing and more wisdom. Yeah, drop by drop the bucket fills. Yeah, but we're strengthening that momentum. So the wisdom, the compassion, the metta, they're a package. <laughs> they arise together. Yeah, wisdom supports compassion and metta. Compassion and metta support wisdom. They arise together. So the more wisdom, the more of this will to live and serve, to be of service, to alleviate suffering in the world and in ourselves. So emptiness reminds us as I've been doing continuously, and I'm not ready to stop yet in this talk, emptiness reminds us that everything, everything is a dependent arising. Everything is conditioned. And everything in life is also a condition and a cause. Yeah. We're all part of this infinite network of things coming together and flowing, dependent on each other. So everything in life is also a condition and a cause, affecting countless arisings. So right in this moment, we can feel that. As we breathe out, that breath is going to nourish plants around us. As we breathe in, this is one of my favorite contemplations, we're breathing in oxygen that was breathed out by plants, some of it plants that have died hundreds of years ago. That's incredible, really incredible. You know, as we sit here, the warmth of our bodies radiating out into the space and creating the temperature in the room. That's amazing, you know, with that we're not doing anything. We're just kind of alive and, and, and we're part of this dependent arising of life. The understanding and wisdom we develop will impact you know, how we are in the world, our relationship to the world. And those, that impact will continue to radiate. So remembering that you know, on retreat we have insights. Yeah, we see things, we feel things, we understand things. And these things matter. 
Yeah, they really matter. They may seem small sometimes, but they really matter. The seeds that can be cared for and they nourish more insight, yeah, more understanding in our lives and in the world. So I think we'll stop here for this evening. Yeah, let's have a quiet moment together. May we treasure the moments of insight, of clarity, of care that arise. May we keep walking this path one step at a time, applying insight, opening to our place in the flow of conditions towards freedom, freedom from suffering for all beings, including ourselves. So thank you for your listening and your presence. My feeling is to really cherish and enjoy this sweet silence. So we have 40 minutes until the chanting. Please enjoy sitting, walking, being. Until then. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.